Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, lead pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. I hope and pray that this message will encourage you and bless you. And remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirstassembly.com. God bless you. You know, as uh, my declaration is the title this morning, and I was just, just randomly, sometimes I do that, not often, but, um, you know, I, I just Googled declaration um, definition. And, uh, you know, I didn't like even, I just looked on what just popped up on the, on the search bar. And here's what it said about declaration. A formal or explicit statement or announcement. I like that. A formal, explicit, or formal or explicit statement or announcement. It also said a formal announcement of the beginning of a state or condition. And that one just kind of really jumped out. Because I, when I look through scripture, what I find is are tons of declarations that are there for us to make. I believe the Bible teaches us that out of our, from our tongue, out of our mouths, we can speak blessing or cursing. And there is something about when we make a declaration based on our faith and upon the promises and power of God. I mean, so it, Angela, I think, said it last week or sometime recently I heard her say it. You know, sometimes you just got to preach to yourself. And it's just standing on God's word and making those declarations. And so as we think about that this morning, when we go through these, we're going through five declarations that Jacob, that, that Jacob, that Job made. Five declarations that Job made. I mean, think about that. Thinking about being in the middle of the fire, in the middle of the tribulation, in the middle of the circumstance, and being able to stand there with your chest out, your shoulders back, your, your, your arms up, and making declarations, statements of faith that is saying, okay, what I'm about to declare is going to change everything. Do you hear me this morning? In James chapter 5, we see a little nugget about Job. In James chapter 5, beginning in verse 10, it says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Then verse 11, Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You've heard the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And I'm re the New Living, when it's talking about, of course, I'm reading out of the ESV there, but the New Living, when it's talking about that part of Job, it says it this way, that Job, a man of great endurance. If you've ever read through the book of Job, you know that's an accurate description of Job's life and what he went through. A, a man of great and endurance. And then it goes on to say, you can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Job, I think, is a role model for all of us. I mean, just kind of very quick, we know some about Job that he, he lost all of his children. He lost all of his animals. I mean, Job was a wealthy guy, and he lost all of his animals. And so uh, if you tally up all that he lost, it was over 10,000 animals that Job lost. He lost his crops. The Bible says that in Job chapter 2, you read about how that Satan struck him again with, loath the Bible says, loathsome sores. And he would take broken pottery and scrape his sores, sitting 
on ashes. I mean, if there was a story of not rags to riches, but riches to rags, I mean, Job is it, right? And matter of fact, his wife, I mean, you got to think, I never thought about this before. Uh, but you read in, in Job chapter 2 and verse 9 that Job's wife tells him, just curse God and die. I mean, you got to think that Job's wife may have been a little bit offended at Job. Just a little bit. Curse God and die. I mean, she lost all of her children. She lost her status. She, she, they, she lost everything too. But her take on everything was the exact opposite of what Job stood for. But through it all, we see in Job 1.22, it tells us right at the beginning, through this whole book, through everything that Job suffers, it says in all this that Job did not sin, which to me is amazing, but not that, not just that, but neither did he blame God. He didn't blame God for everything that he went through. And God allowed it, but yet Job didn't blame God. The enemy came, remember the, when you read Job 1 and 2, you see that, you know, the enemy's like, what about that guy right, I bet you I can do enough to that guy, God, that he'll turn his back on you, but it says that Job never blamed God. See, I believe, and I'm sure as many of you, that God is a deliverer, I believe that whether it's in a small thing or a great thing, God can deliver instantly, I talked about that a little bit last week. It, whatever our diagnosis, circumstance, trouble, problem, issue, whatever it is, God can do it in a moment. He can do a miracle in an instant at the snap of a finger. He can step on the bow of a boat and he can say, peace be still. God can do that. But listen to me. There are times when he's not trying to get us out of it, but he's trying to get us through it. We must understand that because we do the right thing, listen to me, Christian, listen to me, church, just because we do the right thing doesn't always mean life will be easier. We tend to believe that if we do the right thing, the American gospel, I mean, sometimes maybe some of you are wondering, I refer to that, you're like, what does that mean? Well, the American gospel tells us is that if I do everything right, then God will do everything right. But that's not always the case. We tend to believe the right thing if we do the right thing. But listen, sometimes we do the right thing, but it's still the difficult thing. It still brings on hardships. Sometimes our deliverance is going through the valley and not over it. When I look at church history, God's best have suffered the worst the world has to offer. And even so now, look at our persecuted brothers and sisters in closed countries where it's against the law of the land to be a believer. And they lose their life over it. I mean, since Adam and Eve, evil has had its injustice and it's had what it seems like its way. When you read Hebrews 11, we like reading that part, right? And it's exciting. And, and like I said, it's both and in life. But it talks about men of faith and their accomplishments. We read about Enoch, that he walked with God, that he was no more Noah, that built the ark, Abraham and, and Isaac, and, and the promise of the, you know, the, the descendants to be beyond the stars of the sky and the sand on the uh, and on the earth, Scripture is full of those that win. And God does that, and it can happen, and that's what we want to believe for. But listen to me. We also read about a group of heroes in Hebrews chapter 11, where there's flogging, where there's chains, where there's prison, where they were stoned, where they were sawed in two. 
It doesn't make them spiritual losers because they face those things. What it means is, is that God had another way to display his strength. He chose to be with them in their trials rather than delivering them. And God can show his omniscience, his omnipotence, his power, his sovereignty, his authority in either way that he chooses to do it. I need a little more help this morning. Are you with me? God does the same for us. Some battles, he shows his strength by delivering us from that battle. But some of the battles, he shows his strength by just getting us through. And when we look at, and so what the example is Job is Job had to go through it. And so what did Job do when he went through it? The very first thing we see is that he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. Number one is, blessed be the name of the Lord. And you see in Job chapter 1, verse 20, Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell on the ground and worshipped. Verse 21, he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all that Job did, he did not sin nor charge God with wrong. Job fell to the ground, not in despair, but in worship. Our worship of God is not based on God's conduct, but his character. Can we worship and thank God for all that he does? Absolutely. But this is the, this is the beauty of who God is. God's conduct is based on his character. We worship God for who he is. It's based on his character. And so listen to me. I Listen, I know there's times we get desperate. I know there's times when it gets really hard and really difficult. I get that. I've been through that. And listen, what scripture tells us is that we make that cry to God. We cry out to him when we're in that need. But I, there, to me, there is, there is a shift of faith of something that happens in us, not when we kneel down and cry out in despair when the despicable happens, but regardless of what happens, we say, blessed be your name, O God. There's a shift of faith that happens in us, and it changes the way that we see everything. Are you awake this morning, church? Listen, we got to make that declaration, blessed be the name of the Lord. I remember that God is always faithful. He's always faithful. The last time, when you're in the middle of that fight, when you're in the middle of that, that, that tribulation, that trial, that valley, whatever it is, recall the last time God was faithful and he delivered you. Remember the last time. Remember the last time. And know this, when you remember the last time, you're worshiping the one who holds the future. You're, you're, you're worshiping the one that, that has all in control, who is sovereign. Bless, John, Job 1.21. That, 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 that word bless, when you take it back to the Hebrew, it, if you like Carmen, you know that Carmen um, eloquently, in a theological way, gave us the seven ways to praise. So I guess none of you got that. You're going to have to go Google Carmen, seven ways to praise, and you'll understand so the one of the words is Barak. And what Barak means is to kneel, to trust, to honor, to have faith, to have admiration. 
So in the middle of this moment that everything is robbed from Job, listen to what he says. He says, God, blessed be the name of the Lord. I have complete faith in you. I still have complete admiration in you. I still have complete honor for your name. I completely trust you, God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And number two is this. The next statement is that Job says, shall we accept good and not bad? And that one, I want, that one's a hard pill to swallow a little bit. Shall we not accept, how is that a declaration? In Job chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, it says, this is where his wife says to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. I mean, what his, I mean, I know as, as if, if you're a married couple, there are times where you, you know that it's just your spouse's fault. Now, if you're smart, you don't say it. But there are times you know that it's your spouse. I mean, that's, this is what Job's wife's saying. This is your fault. This is your fault. This is your problem. Curse God and die. Verse 10, but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish. And men, this is not wise to say, just by the way. Just kind of throw that in there too. Um, as one of the foolish women would speak, shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. I mean, that really, this one really confounds me. It really blows my mind that Job knew that God was God no matter what happened to him. And we've got to understand that because sometimes what happens in life is that we go through that difficult scenario and immediately what we want to do is it's God's fault. God's doing this to me. God has, and that's, that, that's one of the, the traps and the temptations of the enemy is to get us to doubt God and to doubt his character. But God is faithful. He's faithful. The devil unleashed this attack. And so we're reading in Job chapter 2, there was this second wave, right? And so, and it's on Job's health. And he has these boils and he's, he's scraping his boils with this pots of clay. And he's sitting upon the ashes. And, and Job tells his wife, shall we not indeed accept good from God? And not? See the declaration. So remember this, no matter what happens to you, God is still God. No matter what happens to you, specific, no matter what happens to me, God is still God. And I've said many, I've used it many times through the years, but when I was so sick with Crohn's disease and, and I, you know, I was just really wasting away in Chase, little Chase, I don't, I don't know, he was three, four years old, something like that, and he, he comes into my room and I was laying in bed sick and he said, Dad, what if you die? And I'm oh boy, I'm sorry, son, I'm, I'm, Dad's going to be okay. Dad's going to get through this. Dad's not going to die. Don't worry. That's not something you need to worry about. And as he left the room, that's exactly the battle that I was having with the Lord. I was like, God, why won't you heal me? I, see, God can handle those questions when you're in the middle of it. We're going to get that more in just a moment, too. But I, in the middle of that moment, I was like, God, why, why am I, I mean, why, why am I still suffering with this? I know that you're a healer. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, if you die, I'm still God. I was like, I, whatever. You know? I mean, that's not really the thing I wanted to hear at that moment. But the truth is there that no matter what my circumstance is, God is God. 
God is God. There are times when we just have to give it to God. It's out of our control. It's out of our understanding. It's out of our strength. And maybe we shouldn't ask, how do I get out of this, but how do I get through this? See, faith is living. Now, some of you need to write this down. I don't think it's in your notes or on the screen. It might be. Faith is living without scheming. Faith is living without scheming. You know, we, I'm going to tell if now, I'm just going to talk about humanity in general. Are you, so I'm not pointing any fingers. If I did, there was three pointing back at me. But listen to me. Humanity is manipulative. Humanity is, and it is not beyond us to even fast and pray to try to twist God's arm. But you know what? God doesn't respond to that. He, he's a little smarter than that. But listen to me. Faith is living without scheming. It's obeying God in spite of the feelings. It's obeying God in spite of the circumstances. It's obeying God in spite of the consequences. Knowing that he is working out his perfect plan. And our job is simply to stay the course and obey. She, his wife says, curse God and die. That's exactly what Satan wanted Job to do. And you can go through scriptures. And I mean, there's, there's more of Job's comforters through scripture than just in Job. I mean, Adam Listen to Eve, sorry, that's biblical, you can read Genesis 3, 6 and 12, and see that ladies, I hate to point that out, but you know, it's just have to sometimes. Um, Abraham listened to Sarah when she gave him Hagar, that didn't turn out very well, did it? Job did not listen to his wife. I was thinking blind Bartimaeus did not listen to the crowd. Paul did not listen to the other prophets in Acts chapter 21. If you want that is, you can go back and read it. But listen to me. There are people that we are going need to listen to, and there are those that we need to tune out. Number three is this. And this is along that same line. We skip all the way to Job chapter 13 and verse 15. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Though he slay me, I will trust him. You know, when you read through Job, Job chapters 4 through 36, I mean, it's an account of all these discussions that are taking place between Job and his friends who suggest that all these problems have occurred that Job is facing and going through because, uh, because of unconfessed sin. But Job, he, he stood firm. He resisted that argument. And re, he continually reaffirmed his faith in God. Though he could not explain why he was going through what he was going through. Sometimes it's just beyond our ability to explain. Sometimes it's beyond our ability to understand. But Job knew in his heart where he stood with God. And one of the, I think one of the greatest statements, even though he slay me, yet I will trust him and i've come to appreciate that attitude it conveys a sense of complete and utter trust in god no matter what's going on around me and and never you know the thing is this is that i believe you know there's some people that think us just kind of randomly claiming jeremiah 29 11 it's really not i i think that I think the power of God's word and its, its fullness and its wholeness is that it's God's word to everybody at any moment in time. 
That's what I believe. And I think Jeremiah 29 is a promise we can hold on to and stand on today that God, he's not out to harm us, right? He's out to give us a future and a hope. I believe that verse. But sometimes to see the, 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 the finish line, of, of <laughs> to see that to come to fulfillment, is we've got to go through stuff sometimes. But listen to me. God aims only for our good. I mean, that's the power, right? I mean, the declaration here is a verse. It's Romans 8, 28, which I know that we're all familiar with. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. That scripture does not promise us that everything's going to be handy dandy in your life and perfect and wonderful and good all the time what it does promise is is no matter what the situation is as god's got something good in store that god is going to work it for good that god is going to turn it for good that the enemy may be coming at you with an onslaught that you may be going through the most difficult trial hour of your life but god is going to bring good god's going to do something he's going to shift everything and he's going to bring a deliverance Job is saying, I'll take my case. And so they, they keep accusing, you've got this unconfessed sin, Job. And Job says, I'll take my case directly to God. And I'll prove my integrity. I know that I'm taking my life in my hands by approaching God. Because he's able to slay me. See, this, listen to me. He's able to slay me. But if he doesn't slay me, it is proof that I'm the hypocrite that you say that I am. Sometimes you just got to take the stand. A lot of people want to label you. I, I, I really don't care what people try to label me with. I know who God says I am. You see, the Bible, there, this, when I was thinking along this line and a verse, so I, you know, for like eight years, I wanted to preach a sermon to you on this. And maybe sometimes what I do is, and, and several sermons before I preach them, I'll kind of introduce kind of the topic subject. But one of my favorite Psalms, besides Psalm 68, who we named our son after Chase, but Psalm 24 is one of my favorite psalms. And in verse 3 through 6, it says this. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And has not lift up his soul to what is false. Nor does he swear deceitfully. There, there is such a powerful promise, truth foundation in this verse listen to me god honors your faithfulness when you faithfully serve him when you see i was even thinking now during this this i mean this this time we're living in right now is financially difficult on everyone but i'm going to tell you when you have lived your life faithfully tithing god is going to respond to that in times of difficulty now, can you cry out to God and, and say, God, I need absolutely. But there is something much different when you've been walking the narrow path faithfully in any area of your life. And when the hammer falls, you know that you can ascend to that place, the hill of the Lord. He has clean hands and a pure. You understand what I'm talking about this morning? Who does not? But then it goes on to say this. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of our God of Jacob. 
Number five is this. Number four is this. I know that my Redeemer lives. Right? We're familiar with that one, right? I know that my Redeemer lives. I just happened, I wish I'd have caught the whole interview thing, but um, whatever 88.7 is now, the new Air One, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, they were interviewing Nicole, Nicole C. Mullen, and she sang the song, My Redeemer Lives. Anybody remember that song? I remember when that song first came out. But what caught my attention, normally, you know, it's just kind of white noise or something on the radio, but she said, I mean, that was 18 years ago that song came out. I was just like, has that been that long? But she was talking about the writing of that song and, and uh, you know, even now how she still performs it. It's just like the first time she, you know, sings it. And it was a really great thing. And, and I, you know, when I look at the old, I mean, to me, my Redeemer, is, that's like the Easter passage of the Old Testament. I know my, so Job is going through all this. In Job 19, beginning in verse 23, he says, oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Well, they were, Job. Um, verse 24. Oh, with an iron pen and lead, they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will stand upon earth. And what kind of leapt out at me with that is Job's emphasis on God and not himself. He's, he, he, he didn't say, oh, I'm going to make it through this. His entire focus was on God, was on him. I know that my Redeemer lives. For I know that, and that the last he will stand upon the earth. Verse 26, and after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. There's a lot of truth here. Verse 27, whom I shall see for myself. You see, he wasn't worried about recognition. He wasn't worried about getting everything back. He wasn't concerned about with all that he lost. You know what he wanted to see? I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart fades. My heart longs to experience God. My heart longs for even the middle of sitting in these ashes and, and everything taken away. What my heart longs for is not restoration of physical. What my heart longs for is to see a Savior, is to see a Redeemer, is my eyes to be upon Him. And now we come, I mean, this, this fourth declaration, Job isn't just making some theological statement. He's expressing his own feelings. I know my Redeemer lives. Jesus rose from the dead, and one day the bodies of his children will be resurrected. The Bible tells us that there's going to be a shout. There's going to be the trump of God blow. And those of the, the dead are going to be caught up, are going to go up before us. And then those of us that remain will be caught up. This passage contains the truth of redemption of the, our, our spirit, the person of the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, the resurrection of the body, the second coming of the Christ, the, the ending of the world, the promise of everlasting life. The declaration here is this, is Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. If you're not familiar with Greek, he's the A to the Z. 
He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. So when we're in the middle of that onslaught of that battle, what is our declaration? Jesus, you're the way. You're the truth. You're the life. You're the author and the finisher of my faith. You're the alpha and the omega. You're the one that matters, Jesus. I mean, this moment is really, I mean, what it comes down to in this declaration that Jesus is Alpha and the Omega, it's that, it's Jesus in the New Testament, the I Am. I mean, you're familiar with that, right? In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14 is where we read about the encounter of Moses in the burning bush, and that's where God reveals himself to Moses, the I Am. And in 3.14, Exodus 3.14 says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to this people of Israel, I am has sent you. And that's who Jesus is now. In the New Testament church, Jesus is the I am. When you go, what do you see when you go to the New Testament? I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. Do you hear me this morning? That's who Jesus is. And I want to remind you the power when God said, I am that I am. It wasn't a declaration that we that uh, uh, God was just anything we wanted him to be. The declaration there that God, that God is making a statement that I am, who, meaning I am who you need me to be when you need me to be it. Not, it's not just a desire and a want. It's God's sovereignty that says, okay, Israel, now I'm going to be your deliverer in Exodus 3. We see the same pattern in the New Testament that Jesus is Savior. That Jesus is redeemer, that Jesus is faithful, that Jesus is healer, that Jesus is coming king, that Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is the shepherd, that Jesus is the Almighty One, Jesus is the bread of life, He's Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus is our hope, and Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And whenever we're going through that trouble, that trial, that, that difficulty, we should be able to stand and say, no matter what is happening, the mountains may, the, the hills may melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. But God is still God. He's my God. Jesus is the great I am. And number five, and lastly is this. He knows the way that I take. He knows the way that I take. I want to read in Job chapter 23, beginning in verse 8. He says, Behold, I go forward, but he's not there and backward, but I do not perceive him. Verse 9, on the left, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right, but I do not see him. God's up to something, even if you don't see it. Verse 10, but he knows the way that I take when he has tried me. I shall come out as gold my foot has held fast to his steps i've kept his way and i've not turned aside i have not departed from the commandment of his lips i have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food the declaration is this my troubles won't last forever but they're not without purpose my troubles won't last forever, but they're not without purpose. He knows the way that I take, and when it's over, I'll come forth as gold. What it's saying is this, is understanding that God uses trials and tribulations to refine us. I just really want to go through the several verses right now. 
First Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. I think sometimes we need to hear that more than we think we need to hear that. Romans 8, 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Let's get a little more specific here. James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Do you remember we began at the first of this when James chapter 5, it talked about what? It talked about the steadfastness of Job in James chapter 5. What do those trials, those, those fiery trials, what do they do in us? They work out steadfastness, endurance. Listen, I don't know where each individual person is. I don't know all your battles, but I know this. You can do it. You can do it. God, I, 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 as anybody, if you've ever done anything endurance-wise, you know, before we moved here, um, I, one of my fa- and I've talked a little bit about this before, but one of my favorite things to do was that was was riding my bike. I had the whole getup, man. I mean, the whole bicycle tights with the padded rear end, and you know, the you know, I'm talking the real you know sleek bike, and and I loved it. I loved it. I'd go on. I'd go on. We'd go on hundred mile day rides. We'd go ride for hundred miles. And as you can tell, you know, no, I have not done it since I've been here. <laughs> Uh, because I did not want to be on my bike in the oil field traffic. I heard too many people getting hit by passing trucks and stuff. And it's still hard because I'll be in my shop working and my bike, Angel wants me to sell it. I'm like, no, one day I want to get back on my bike. <laughs> it's going to be possible. I'm going to get back on it. But I want to tell you, when you're working, when you're trying to build up that endurance, running a merit, to do anything, it takes time. It takes tearing your body down and letting it heal and build back up. And when you go through those things, it builds endurance for you. And the last difficult thing that you went through, the last trial that you went through, what God is doing is saying, you know what? I got you through that one. I've built some steadfastness in you. I've built some endurance in you. You're going to get through the next one. God's not done with you yet. It's not over yet. It's not game over. The best days are still ahead. God still got this. He's still sovereign. His hand is still on you, church. James chapter 1, verse 12, same chapter. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under... Blessed the, so remember, right? Steadfast endurance. Blessed is the man who has endurance under trial, who is steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to all those who love him. 1 Peter 5.10, and if you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace. And I feel like I need to emphasize again. Yes, we know we have an understanding of grace. But the one, one area of grace that we have a difficulty remembering is that grace also means God's ability. And after you've suffered a little while, 
think about that. God has all the ability. Isn't that true? The God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore. See, God has the end of this thing all ready for us. He himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So you're in the fight right now, but he's got the finish line ready. He's got the finish line ready that he's going to establish you, strengthen you, confirm you, restore you. And that's what we see, right? At the, how does Job end? Job ends with this restoration that takes place and a celebration that takes place. And yes, I believe, I, I, I opened with it, I'm going to close with it. I believe that God can do it in an instant. And there are things, there are situations, areas, you know, what battles we've been through. And you're going to see it happen right in front of your very eyes. God's going to restore. He's going to redeem. He's going to heal. He's going to mend. He's going to deliver. He's going to do the miracle. But I got to, you see, I, I believe that we also need to live eternally focused. And I also understand that regardless of what God does here, that when it's all said and done, whether it be that I go sick, by, you know, when I, whether I'm cremated or six feet under or whatever happens to me, or that I am taken up in the rapture of the church, that's the moment where there's going to be redemption and restoration like none we could have ever imagined. Christian, church, live eternally minded. Live eternally minded. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that this message was an encouragement to you. Remember, you can find more about us at odessafirstassembly.com and also across the social media platforms. It is our prayer that God blesses you, keeps you, sustains you. And if you're ever in the area of the Permian Basin, come and join us at Odessa First Assembly.